Here's the debate. Guy. You're upset. They're saying, they're saying we believe you. This it? No, I, I thought. Uh, Okay, so we're officially live. Yes, episode 142 with the one and only Francis Ngannou, who, by the way, you know, there's a lot of people you can say are the most feared man in the world, the best fighter in the world, whoever you want to call. Our guest today may be the most feared man in the world today. Let me give you some statistics for you to be thinking about if you don't know about uh, how strong his punch is. So I think U.S. Performance Center did a uh, UFC, uh, performance UFC, UFC performance and attested to see how powerful his punch was. Imagine a Ford Escort, okay? Mm-hmm. If a Ford Escort comes full power, full speed at you and hits you, it's the same power as his punch, okay? If you grabbed a 12-pound sledgehammer and you went all the way back and you hit anything, that's the same exact power you get if you get punched by him. And on top of that, his punch packs 96 horsepower. Francis, it's great to have you on here today. Thank you very much, Patrick. <laughs> uh, even though the introduction that you just did, I didn't feel like it was me. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know? When did you know if you hurt people, you're gonna destroy? Like you're gonna hurt people? When did you know your punch was that powerful? I think everybody punch is powerful. It's relative, right? It's depend of who sure. you're hitting and how you're hitting. You know, um, and everybody has this kind of like superhero like feeling in him like ah, i'm the man you know we all have that but uh you always have to you always question yourself am i really the man you know i need to try that, to test that with other men to find out if i'm really the man yeah so. interesting so so do, but do you remember your first fight because you know fights you go and you're afraid you're like i don't know you know what's but do you remember your first fight where you hurt somebody and you said, I may have a strong punch than others, or you don't have a memory of that? No, you don't think like that. I mean, that's just a statistic, but I think you don't walk in there. I'm like, oh, I'm the strong punch. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can be, um, I always like this quote from uh, Eddie Atlas, from the great Eddie, which he always say, you can have the biggest muscle, but if you don't have a delivery system, it's useless. Hmm. Because you want, you want aim and reach any target, and you, you can destroy anything. So he, you rather have a small pistol, like a nine millimeter, but work, uh, w- with a g- good delivery system, mm-hmm. so you can hit something. Therefore, if you're hitting an elephant, even though you can kill him, you can kill him with one bullet, but at least you're causing damage, and over time you will take it down. So the most important thing is the delivery system. Well, I mean, in, if we if we could show the greatest knockouts and how you got people to tap out or the pain you bring upon people it's it's incredible seeing the way you fight by the way can we bring up his instagram account i just want to check on how's your health how's your leg doing after all the procedures you've gone through uh it's been very rough um it's a tough process because i wasn't really i didn't really know what i was going to put myself into which is a good thing because if i knew that is going to be this horrible maybe i could have like hesitate on the surgery but i didn't know so i went there um free-minded and uh, the surgery went well everything is going well actually but 
It's a very tough process. The pro rehabilitation process. Yeah, the injury and the pain, you know, uh, the irritation and everything, you know, very, and then also the fact of being, um, of being uh, dependent. Mm. You can do anything. Wow. You have to call a friend out mm -hmm. to drive you or to Uber or stuff. You know, you can, I mean, doing <laughs> daily basis stuff yeah. is like, very hard. Francis, how long is the recovery process? How long are you going to be in crutches? How long are you going to be, you know, so on the sidelines? It's, it's step by step. Like uh, with the crutches, uh, they give you about four to six weeks with crutches. Mm -hmm. And then uh, stuff like uh, before you work, about the same time. But um, that doesn't mean you're here. You know, it's just the first step. You're just strong enough to be able to like mm -hmm. work on your own. And then uh, after that, you have like until maybe three to four months to be able to jog, you know, to have that stability on your knee, to have your ACL or your MCL strong, just enough to hold you on that ground mm. when you're not pivoting. And by six, uh, five to six months, you're able to do every activities that you're pivoting, such as like boxing, even like wrestling, uh, jujitsu, but very light. And uh, until nine months that you're probably nine months to one year that you're 100 percent recovery nine if months a, yeah if everything so in all likelihood well. you might not fight into the beginning of 2023 i don't want to put a timetable on this. this is your world baby or the end of 2022 okay or the end of 2022 that's yeah. the who, timeline who is yeah. what other athlete is your injury comparable to Oh, a lot of athletes has those injury. You know, uh, you, we always walk around. Basically, uh, I'm in Vegas, so I'm all the time at the USAPI, and you will see people coming from all uh, around the world with uh, for the rehab mm -hmm. for their uh, injury. And most of the time, it's gonna be like ACL, MCL, or LCL. You know, um, even PCL or whatever meniscus. Mm -hmm. But you know, until until, until you're there. You don't really know what it is, you know. At least, at least you're in Vegas, and they have good centers that you can rehab better, right? I'm assuming yeah. they have a good facility there to help you expedite the process. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the facility uh, there is great. Uh, we have a very good quality of physical therapy of people there uh, at the UFC Performance Institute. Um, I think it's the best, you know, uh, for for my experience because I was even hurt before the fight. And they helped me to strengthen my legs and do everything, you know. So put me, uh, build my uh, other muscles enough to put me in the confidence to go into a fight with that uh, type of injury. I mm -hmm. think just... You're talking about the fight with Cyril Gunn? Yeah. You saw this fight, right, Pat? Of course we yeah, watched this. Course. So w how, how injured were you at that fight? Who was this injury? I was uh, ACR, MCR. Got it. Because because the the way you fought that fight is not the way you fight the fight. You it's slightly different the way you you fought it. Everybody was kind of watching, and you'd read the commentating, you'd see what some of the experts are saying. But what what I think ended up happening with the fight is you earned respect because you beat him in his strength rather than you know what people thought the style you were going to take. Am I am I off? On uh, the assessment some people gave? Um, no, you are not off. I think uh, those who were off uh, was those people who was thinking that, you know, because uh, not because you haven't seen uh, me display some of my skill, 
doesn't mean I don't have it or doesn't mean I'm not practicing. You know, I go to practice every day, every week, and I practice everything. Um, but I don't know if it's like fortunately or unfortunately when I go to a fight, I might sometimes the fight goes by really quick after a few seconds or a few minutes. So I don't have to display all those techniques or all those discipline which in I have no problem with that but uh, as far as my last fight um, I didn't have many arsenal in my pocket because like uh, I couldn't move uh, properly I was so concerned so afraid basically like when the fight started I'm like oh maybe I should listen to the doctor maybe I should listen to my team maybe I should have I should have listened you know because uh, I don't know about my knee, I'm not sure about mm. this, you know, and I was fighting myself, you know, and I was very uh, slow on on everything, every reaction and reaction. I was kind of like uh, a second behind mm. to reaction because I was thinking about me fighting myself until I get past that before I step into the fight. But honestly, like getting into that fight, it was just a, like um, for me, the only reason that I go to that fight, he was my owner, you know. Um, knew that I wasn't like 100%, but uh, just trust the fact that I'm just a fighter, you know. I've been in a, a lot of shit in life, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I handled myself out of it pretty good, so, yeah. But, but by the way, just out of curiosity, I... Uh uh, uh, we have a guy we were looking at today to invite for uh, the podcast, the, the gentleman that uh, he wrote a book about fear. You know who I'm talking about. We're talking about upstairs. How do you view fear? How do you process fear yourself, especially the life you've lived? What is fear to you and how do you treat it? How do you manage it? I think fear is something which is very important. Fear is something that you have to have, you know, uh, and uh, therefore uh, you develop your ability to uh, overcome that, to surpass the fear that's what makes you a better man you know um i don't trust people who say they are not afraid that they, they, they have no fear i don't trust them yeah because that fear is mm. i mean fear sometimes is just a knowledge of a situation that you're into and then you have to be aware mm. of the uh dangerosity of that situation and be careful and as soon as you're aware of the danger the, that's the first step of your defense. But if you are not aware of it, that's the first step step of your defeat because you're exposed. You think there's not a danger. But <laughs> fear come and acknowledge you that there's something you have to mm -hmm. be careful. And therefore, all your senses are ready for whatever is coming to you. So I think fear is something that is very important. And if you realize if you look at it everything that you have done in your life which is very important you always have that fear that stress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're, you're always nervous even whether it's like um apply for a job or uh go to a um uh i don't know uh, exam or whatever mm -hmm. everything that is very important you have that fear because you have you acknowledge that Nerves. there's something important here I have to put all my attention, so that's what kind of like build the fear. So, so the fight you had with Ghana when you went in, when 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 were you able to control your nerves? Was it the moment the fight started or before you entered the octagon? I don't know if I would say I control the nerves, 
because um, at first I didn't understand. And I honestly, at first I thought it was just me. I'm like, man, how can I be so big and be and feel fear and be afraid? Then with with experience, I realized, no, that's exactly how it works. And then I kind of like check around. Then I realized everybody has that feeling. And that's what made mm. you a champion. That's what make you a fighter. You're fighting against uh, um, something that you're fighting against yourself at first. You know, you're fighting to overcome something, to surpass something. There is a challenge, which is your fear that you have to overcome, you know. And then, therefore, I kind of like just manage, just accept it. Yes, I'm afraid. That means I'm ready. Uh, I'm aware that something no good is coming off my way. I'm in danger. So, okay. Uh, I have to defend myself. I also trust my ability to defend myself. Mm -hmm. You know, so those combined kind of like be like a uh, upside for me. When, when before, when you're you, when because you, you're saying doctor, maybe doctor's right, maybe this person's right, maybe that person's like I shouldn't fight. The people that were telling you maybe not to fight, or the people that were telling you to fight. When did you make the decision that you were gonna fight? Was there ever a breaking point that you said I'm not gonna fight? Uh, no. Okay. Because even the first day that the doctor um, gave me a report after the MRI, uh, I think he was just expecting me to call out the fight. And um, I didn't want to do anything at that moment that I could have regret like one or two weeks after. And that was like three weeks out. So I decided like, okay, I'm keeping this, moving on and see what's happened. If one week or two weeks after... He doesn't get any better or get worse. I think I have no choice. But, I mean, I still think, I mean, there was a part of me who also believed that that could be an advantage on me to be very, uh, to be to uh, feel that fear, mm -hmm. to know that I know I'm not 100% of my capacity and be very aware of a danger. And at the moment that I'm aware of that danger, and uh, on my um, on capacity, I think I'm more uh, thoughtful than when I'm like, oh, I'm good, you know, mm. let's go to war. Mm. I'm like, no, don't do that. You're no good. You have to think about it differently to approach it differently. So, Francis, for people that don't know your story, you got from where you came from to America. Like, if you can take a minute and just give your background on how you came to America, because as an immigrant myself, you know, America's like, I remember the first time I landed and I went to the airport. I'm like, I can't believe I'm in America. What was your journey from where you came from to coming to America? Well, um, from where I came from to America, um, it's a little complicated. So this is like a two-step story. Like when I come to America, even the first time, that story was different from where I left my country the first time. Because I came in America the first time I had a job. They picked me at the airport with a limo, brought me in the four-star hotel, uh, four star hotel, you know, check me out and have people around me. And uh, I think that day I called my mom, I'm like, hey, your son has made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because growing up, my, cool. yeah, growing up, my dream was always to go to America. Yeah. But how? I don't know. So I didn't see myself like coming in America in the red carpet as I did the first time. So my mm -hmm. first day in America, 
not only I, I was in the fly, um, there was somebody at the airport waiting for me, taking my suitcases, you know, bring it in the car, dro- uh, drove me to the hotel, mm. then they checked me in. I wasn't speaking any English, but they were so like, oh, Mr. Ngano, this, Mr. Ngano, that. I'm like, damn, finally in America? This what is city America. did you land in? Orlando. Orla- Orlando. Of all places, Orlando. Yeah, that so was Mickey my Mouse first Mickey Mouse showed up. Who showed up to, to greet you? Huh? Like in Orlando, it's it's Walt Disney World. That's what it's known for over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of pageantry was going on when you got there? No, really. But I think like at that moment, <laughs> he was all America. Everything yeah. that I was seeing around uh, was so impressive. And just the idea that I'm in America, mm-hmm. that America that I've been thinking about, you know, like growing up, uh, um, I've been naming myself like uh, American boy or the staff <laughs> and they've been naming me with a lot of nickname, you know, um, because I loved America and I, I always been America. But that's the way that I came in America was a red carpet. Mm-hmm. But it's a different story compared to where I went in France, in Europe. You know, that is a different story. That's when I migrated there and that wasn't fun at all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because I left my country first of all without knowing where I was going, and I couldn't even tell my family, because uh, when you tell somebody that you're leaving, the first question is like to where, where I don't have no destination. So you, once again, you're crazy, you're out of your mind. How oh, you're going somewhere that you don't know where you're going, you know, um, and that's how I left and took me over a year then uh, I mean I went I get I get and ended up in Morocco and trying to go to cross and go to Spain and um, it was a long process a tough process you know and I was there for one year before I made it so uh, we were uh, attempting uh, attempting like uh, in the ocean with the um, Flatable boat, like those small boat that they use in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Um, couple time, I think I fell six times. I fell, uh, and then I've been in that thing so much that I ended up became a captain, even though I don't know how to swim. But I know how to like put the boat in the water, how to check the weather, how to manage the wave and everything, and put the boat in the water. Put my um, my friend inside and start a paddle so that was good enough to be a captain you know <laughs> we trying to uh defenses uh to go because there's two lands in uh, morocco uh, which belong to spain uh in the west is ceuta and in the east is melia no west and no east is uh, melia so and those are just protected by fences multiple fences and barbed wire security on this side, security and on other side, high security. But we're always like trying to l- find a blind spot to like attempt. Um, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. Most of the time we fail because the security is so high with infrared, uh, everything that they have to uh, protect the, the border because the barbed wire is on the about i would say uh 10 miles you know and that's all the 
the border. So trying that couple of times fell, fell in barbed wires and all the stuff. But um, always love water, even though I didn't know to swim and had a feeling that that's where I get a medal. That's crazy. Yeah. Even till today? Swimming? Uh, <laughs> I have tried to take some courses, you know. <laughs> I have a pool in my in my house. I'd love to meet your teacher. I'd love to see who teaches you how to swim, like to hold you. That picture of holding you. <laughs> no, 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 no. She couldn't hold can, me. Can I ask you a question? She, she, uh, she is this big. She couldn't hold. She me. can't hold. No, you. no. Yeah. Floating in water. The, your your two stories they're they're totally different, but they're almost similar because I don't know if you know Pat's story. He mm. got out of Iran when there was a war going on with Iraq at the time, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, you escaping. I mean, people that are not familiar with your story, the the Getting from Morocco to Spain, people die. Thousands of people die oh, on that lot. trip. A lot. Okay, so this isn't like oh, I tried to get into the boat. No, 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 no. People die constantly. So it, this this is life or death situations here, right? Yeah. How have these life and death situations fleeing um, on a boat to just get to freedom, fleeing Iran to get to freedom in a at a refugee camp in Syria? How's it shaped? Your mindset and and because you're a fighter, but he's also a fighter in the business world. Yeah. This is a question for the both of you. Like this is a, also goes to Americans. Hey, I've had a pretty good life, even though I was a very middle class, normal. Fa like I haven't had to fear for my life. What is fearing for your life for the both of you done to your mindset? Okay, so um, what you have to understand is first you have to understand the beginning because. For somebody to let your family and your country and everything and just pack a small backpack, leave. That means you have, I mean, if you have a little bit of comfort, you can do that thing because it's just crazy, right? So uh, you must be like uh, in a very challenging life to be able to take those decisions and stand by, you know, because it's not easy though, like, to stand, wake up someday, pack your bag, and leave to go where you don't know. You never cross the border of your country, and you have to cross country by country. Because mm -hmm. I didn't just leave from Cameroon and get to Morocco. I went from Cameroon, uh, uh, Ni Nigeria, then Niger. Can you put that up. So yeah, people I'd like to see, see where Cameroon is versus yeah. Morocco yeah. versus Spain. That crossing that channel right yeah. there. So I went to Cameroon, then Nigeria, then Niger, then mm -hmm. Algeria. Uh, we have to cross the um, Sahara Desert, desert to go to um, Algeria, then from Algeria to um, Morocco. Right. You know, and all this is a process. And you're walking this entire time? How are you getting mm, around? No. A car, everything. Okay. Snake, because also there is like a border control. There is a security. Yes, in Nigeria, we are, we are borders. <laughs> this isn't, <laughs> you know, you're saying, yeah, I left Cameroon to get to Spain. Like, this is the... The, yeah, it's the not route like, hey, you I'm have to go, go from Fort Lauderdale to yeah, Miami. Exactly. You know, 50 but miles. He took like far, he took 14, it took me 14 months to make it because like, yes, he's, he, he look, he's like very strict like that. But remember, you have to go all this, yeah. uh, to, uh, to, you have to go uh, against all this immigration process, the law in every country. Yes, when you're in uh, Nigeria, he's mm -hmm. still okay because you're, uh, the neighbor's country and the circulation is still like free. Then you get in Niger, 
Yes, we are all sub-Saharan mm. um, uh, country, but we look a little bit different though. So even there, the um, border control, the immigration police, when they see you, when they see you, they just realize, they just know that this is a stranger. And uh, that route is like known for like immigration. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a big uh, business there to control immigration, uh, you know, um, stop them from a flu to uh, Europe. Then you get to uh, Algeria. You're completely different. Like you're outstanding by your skin color. So you can hide anymore you can pretend to be algerian then you have to go to th- this uh, uh, passport stuff like oh i recognize like, this passport looked like me like you can you buy it can you afford it yeah oh if, buying if, a fake passport you're saying yeah if you need to go from somewhere to somewhere yeah free circulation in some country you need you need to, to have a id a id who looks like you you, will you stand by? Hi, I'd like an ID of the uh, UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, do you have anything that looks like... No, sorry, sir. We yeah, don't but anything. the problem is that uh, um, immigration-wise, my country and all those countries need a visa. Mm-hmm. There is not a visa free, so I have to have a visa. But I knew that I couldn't afford a visa because, yes, before they uh, uh, approve your visa, you have to prove that you have certain status in life. You have to prove that where you're going, you're going for some business matter and then you're gonna come back, you know, and then that you can afford that. You can afford the trip, you can afford the airfare, you can afford the hotel, you can subsidize your uh, trip, your whole trip. You can prove any of that, bro. So what do you, what can you do? Just sneak out. Craziness. How are you processing this, Pat? Well, listen, there's a reason why he is who he is. You know, Uh, I think that experience of being raised in that kind of fear, uh, it gives you a very special, unique feeling that others are not going to have. It's it's a very, very unique experience you can go through to finally come here. Yeah, to to, to finally come here. But what I want to ask you, so first couple fights, I think two, three, four fights was in France. Yeah. Then was in Switzerland. Then I want to say it's in Bahrain. Then you have your fight in 2015 in Orlando. Yeah. Is that the first time you came to the States? Yep. So that's the first time you came to the States for that fight. Absolutely. I got you. Okay. So so your first few fights are in Europe. Yeah. And at this point, as you're coming, because I think your first fight is in 2013 mm-hmm. uh, when you got started. And then you kind of went through your... Uh, uh, did, when you came to Orlando, were you already like... Had you already kind of make some noise for yourself where people kind of knew... There's this guy that's coming here that can really wreak some havoc on some people. Yeah. Um, because even when I started in France, I mean, I took my first fight. I was, what, three or four months in the in the sport. And I was just there to try. And then uh, wanted to, like, have a complete experience. And then they say, oh, there's a fight here. Would you take it? Then I'm like, yes, why not? So that's how I get my first fight. <laughs> you. You know, uh, and then I get a second one. And for me, I was going just to try those two fights. It was a tournament. So I was going to win the tournament and then move on. Mm. Complete the experience and move on. But 
you know, like, and this word I say sometimes, um, there's a destiny. Some a lot of stuff happened for some reason, and everything sometimes uh, stuff happened sometimes to like just put you to some part. Because if I would have win the second fight, I would have done with MMA. But the problem, I lost the second fight decision, and for me. Living on the on defeat wasn't the right thing for mm, it. Sounds like yeah. I was quitting. Yeah, it sounds like I was living in the pop, uh, people' opinion that I have quit, and I couldn't see myself in that in that thought. So I decided to go back and fix it. Mm. But little trap for four months later, I have another tournament. Because those two first fight was free, obviously. Um, I have another tournament, and um, I fought, I won, get some money. I'm like, not bad, you know. I mean, <laughs> was that your first time you ever made money fighting? Yeah. Which which one? The first first fight you had in uh, France? No, no, no. That third in, fight, the third saying. and the fourth. Third. Yeah, I got you. Because okay. it was a tournament. He was two fights. Yeah, because you said the yeah. first one the they didn't pay night. you. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how much you got when two, you won that? Two thousand euro. Two thousand. So that's twenty five hundred bucks American. Yeah, about. And how much did that change your life? That two thousand euro. No, I mean two thousand euro can change your life, but I was very happy about that. You know, by the time I was already uh, working in the nightclub, I had a friend who was bringing get me in the nightclub sometime um, uh, as a substitute. So I had a little bit of money. I have already like sent money in uh in my to my mom. So he wasn't my first money, but he was like my first big money. Mm-hmm. And what's happened? I just took the money and go put it under the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Save that money. Oh yeah. <laughs> I needed to do something. <laughs> so then you have your sixth fight in Orlando. Uh, at this point, uh, you're saying people are starting to realize who you are. Yeah, you already starting to even in my first, my two first fight. People was even in France. People, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, like where do this guy came from? He's just, it's not normal. Yeah, you know, like, and then right away. Uh, people didn't want to fight me anymore. Like I have a lot of fight who get who got cancelled in France, like a lot. And it was so frustrating that at some point, p- promoter they just started to pay me when they get my fight cancelled because I would go there and then be in the locker room and then warm up, you know. And we were fighting in like a little gymnast. And then maybe like your locker room will be here, your opening locker room mm-hmm. will be there. Maybe he will just hear how you're hitting meat. And he'll tell his coach, like, um, you know, I'm not really ready, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff. And they cancel on you constantly. And at some point, I'm like, I can't do this. I was so frustrated, the promoter. And he really understood. And I'm like, okay, at least take your pay and go home. Leave me alone. I was happy with that, dude. So <laughs> did, did you hear what he said? The, the guy, you're saying that your opponent is hearing you warm up and they decide to cancel the fight and quit? Sometime, yeah. <laughs> so I had a lot of fights get canceled in France. Gotta love Could that. Could you imagine that? Gotta love that. To be you're that intimidating where your opponent's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to fight I don't this think guy. So good. Now, by the so way, good. prior to 2013, <laughs> did you have a lot of training or you're just a street fighter? No, no, I didn't have a lot of training. I had a few um, 
a little bit of boxing training. I was more boxing at that time, you know, more boxing style because I don't know anything about MMA, but I have done boxing for a little for a little bit. And um, that was what I was going there for, for boxing. Did, did you have somebody, like, did you look up to a boxer growing up? Were you like an Ali fan? Were you a Tyson fan? Were I you, was a Tyson fan. You were a Tyson fan, okay. I mean, not like I was a Tyson fan. I'm a Tyson fan. Yeah, makes Lifetime. sense. Lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Lifetime. You liked his style of fighting. Just Yeah, he's yeah. impressive. For me, like, he's the best. Like, when I see, when I, even still today, when I watch Tyson fight, he's like, it's like a master class, like explain mm. people how to box. Like, okay, this is what the tissue. Jab, jab, right. Jab, jab, cross. Jab, jab, uppercut. How, this is how you move your, your head. This is how the body... I mean, he was like, like a class. Now, let, let's talk about a few things that are current event, which is something a lot of people are interested in. So your fight ends um uh, with uh, uh, uh Cyril and you win the fight and one of the biggest controversies was hey where is Dana to put the belt on and not to put the belt on <laughs> he's addressed it you've addressed it but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are going to be at this point Dana comes out and says listen I actually walked out of the arena right after the co-main event because there was stuff going on that I was dealing with and I, I can see that happening when you're running a business this is a big fight though that you were having yeah. For anybody to think that I was showing any type of disrespect towards Francis, I saw Francis all week, you idiots. I shook his hand. I said hi to him. I was out there for stare downs, the whole thing. So for anybody to think that there was some type of disrespect towards Francis, I wasn't out there for Michael Bisbing versus Luke Rockhold's fight, either because I was dealing with some stuff. I sprinted from back. I didn't even have my jacket on. I only had my shirt on to go and put the belt on Bisbing, but I couldn't make it out there to put the belt on Francis. So at this point, Everyone said what they've said. How, how did you feel afterwards when he wasn't there? Did you guys have a follow-up conversation together? Personally, <laughs> I didn't care. I made my statement that night. I was happy. You know, and um, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't care. What I do know is like I made my statement. It wasn't about the belt. It wasn't an, uh, around about uh, Dana wrapping the belt around me or the press conference or anybody. By the way, Nick Manor, which is the, for me is a great guy, wrapped the belt around my waist. And uh, that wouldn't be a problem for me. Maybe he has a, um, uh, a situation going on. I have no problem with Nick wrapping the belt around my waist you know i'm very cool i'm very happy uh with nick um doesn't mean anything things was great maybe people are having this speculation because of our situation mm -hmm. uh the state of our situation but it's possible that something happened you know uh that he was out for some business but um i don't care I mean, you can ask people for so much, but the only thing that you can, the biggest respect that you're going to have is you respecting yourself, standing by what you believe, and then making your point. And that's what I did that night. So whatever was around it, I didn't care. Francis, where are you at now? Like, you know, pe people want to, people enjoy seeing you fight. It's a very, uh, there are certain people that draw, you draw. Hands down. If you got a fight, people are buying that pay-per-view. 
because you're just that kind of an electric, electrifying fighter that people want to see. Have you made up your mind on what your next moves are? Are you, because there's speculation of uh, UFC, but you're talking about Tyson Fury. There's a lot of different things that are coming up. W- what are some of your plans that you're thinking about doing that you can talk about? I mean, uh, I don't have a, I haven't made a plan yet. Um, and also, we have a contrast situation to figure out. But I, I want to point out the fact that whether it's a Tyson Fury or whatever, uh, he can still happen under the UFC. You know, uh, when I said uh, I want to box or I want uh, to fight Tyson Fury, that doesn't exclude exclude uh, the UFC. You know, uh, he can still be under the UFC as long as we have a, a good contract, a respectful term. Um, that is, uh, that has been agreed uh, by both parties. I think everything is possible. Question. Let's just say you we you continue with a contract. Let's just say you renegotiate a contract with UFC, and the contract says it's all in, but you can't fight boxing. The contract can says if I renegotiate the contract, the contract would technically says what I want. Okay, that's what mean negotiate Got a contract. It. Makes sense. I mean, it's both party negotiating. Sure. So uh, I have what I want. They have what they want, and then uh, negotiating mean like trying to compromise and find a middle ground. Would one of the things be important to you to be able to fight in UFC and do boxing outside of UFC? Would that be something that's important to you? Uh, that's a possibility. That's something. That's the option. Yeah. So, so then, then one of the questions for me would be: I remember the year where uh, uh, Jordan's playing in the NBA, and he's not the highest-paid guy on the team, and a lot of other guys were following this guy's, you know, strategy because he wanted to win championships. Scotty was making more money than him. A lot of guys were making more money than him. But the reason why it didn't matter for him was because, you know, he had a lot of sponsorship money coming outside of the NBA. Now, that's team sport. You're not in a team sport. Your team sport is you and your coaches, but it's not like you have a team of, you know, 11 other teammates in basketball that you're fighting. Is it at a point where fighters like yourself who are at the pinnacle of their class, are you getting millions of dollars of sponsorship that is coming through to you as well? Uh, My team are trying so hard um, and they are doing a good job to find me some sponsorship but you have to understand like uh, and this is one thing under the UFC contract it's very hard to find a sponsor to have a sponsorship because uh, they cover everything they kind of like uh, cut you out from everything you can have a proper sponsor because you can get in the octagon or wherever with a sponsor Um they recently have a, d- a sponsorship deal with uh, Crypto.com, mm-hmm. um, which is a big uh, crypto company. And that deal took a lot of money out of my pocket because we were this close to have a deal with um, uh, Cash App. Ka- mm-hmm. So you can't now do Cash App. And Cash App is a direct competitor, competitor of Crypto.com. Cash App is the so headline sponsor of the Bitcoin event that you're at this week. Um, my bad. Coinbase, Coinbase, Coinbase got okay. it. The big Coinbase. one, Coinbase. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, the big boys. All yeah. the crypto.com the big, cash app. The big boys. Yeah, and that's why the the number was pretty good. Of course, right? So they have that deal. Who literally like cut our feet on the other side. Lose a lot of money, but 
they are not even away. Do they care about it? No. And that's how we, we have to, we struggle with a lot of sponsorship deal. You know, when you have something, you have a, you want a um, um, clothing company or they're going to be like, oh, you have this in the octagon. Uh, we can be seen in the octagon. So technically, we are, whatever we do, we are just a second, a plan B for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it's not your choice, but that's how it is. So it's pretty hard for us to have a... Uh, see, see, for yeah. me, I'm, I, what other sport is like that? By the way, where you can't get your own sponsors outside of the sport. I mean, you can ha- you can have, but it can't be a direct limited. competitor. It's ver- it's ver- yeah. No, it's very limited. So can can Nike sign you? Nike can sign you, but Nike will sign you because they want a uh, benefit uh, from something. They want a benefit, uh, maybe a exposure sure. or something, but. Uh, one of the biggest moments that you're exposed, you will be wearing some other brand, which is direct competitor of Nike. So I'm like... No, what, no. what I'm saying is, so, so Michael Jordan signed with Nike. One day he comes home, his manager had, he goes into his manager's house. I don't know if you've heard the story or not. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan comes to his manager's house. He goes straight to his closet. He goes to the closet. He comes out, grabs all his shoes that are not Nike, grabs the scissors, starts cutting everything up, he says, what are you doing? He says, you, we were only Nike here. He cuts them up, he throws them in the trash, then sends them a box of shoes to replace with all Air Jordans to say, we are Nike. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe there's nothing wrong with that to say you're representing a brand. But yeah, Kenan, but you, Yes, but at the biggest stage, you can't stand by that brand that you represent. What does that mean? You can't stand by like. Like like like, 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 when, like when you step in the octagon, for example, you can't wear Nike in the octagon. No, wait, wait a minute. That's so, the thing. Wait, wait. You, so you I have, can't. You, you have no right. You have not. You can wear, represent anything when you step in the octagon. It's just what the UFC so provides. So, national, so, so, so I have two, I yeah. have two paintings in my house of uh, Arton Senna and Michael Schumacher, right? And yep. I was talking about this the other day. I said, I said, look at the power of sponsorship because Senna's jersey from 1989 is. The sponsors are Marlboro. I have it here 20, 30 years later. Look at the power of sponsorship, right? Mm-hmm. Like the power of giving Senna 10 million bucks because it's going to be around forever where it's in this house after he's no longer with us. So in NASCAR, I can sponsor and put a logo next to it, half a million dollars for a race or half a million, depending on the race car driver who it is, right? So you mean to tell me you can't have stuff on your shirt to say this is no, 10 grand, no, this no, is 50? No, 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 no. Is anybody renegotiating that or no? Is anybody asking for that or is that just the bylaws, this is how it works and that's it? I think, uh, yes, a couple years ago, I think yeah. it was, what, maybe seven years ago, they put that like in the contract and this, you know, as many things. And this <sighs> is, there was just like, this is how it goes and that's it. And nobody but, has but to qu- say anything. Now, the, the return for that would be the following. Like, you know, Roger Godell got that big Godfather contract a few years ago. I don't know if you're following it. With the NFL. Godell got this contract. You know the Godell contract? He, Godell, Godell is Roger Godell is the NFL commissioner, right? So he gets the Godfather contract, and it's $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. Unlimited health insurance for his entire family. Unlimited private jet for his entire family. I don't know what the contract was. It's a, it's a two, $300 million contract, by the way, at $25 million. If you If you put up, just put Roger Godel contract. Take the godfather out. $200 million contract, right, that he got. Now, no team owner fought it. Nobody said anything. But here's why nobody fought it. Because Roger Godel brought the biggest contract to the NFL media that a team, let's just say I want a team, 
went from being a $1.1 billion team to $2.8 billion team. You, Roger Godel, just maybe $1.7 billion. We'll pay you $25 million a year. And players officially got paid more, so the players liked Godel making more money. In this case, if the brand is getting all this money, if the there's got to be an exchange. So let's just say you say, yes, it's okay for Nike and these guys to get it, but your pay also goes to XYZ. You're saying that did not happen. Nope. Okay, so then my next question would be, how much leverage do you have in negotiating contracts? Well, in, in negotiating contracts, it depends. Um, what can you ask for? You can ask everything that you want. What can, can you? What can you have? Can you wear a Nike shirt in there and fight? Can you ask for anything? I don't think so, because the way that they have structured that business, he stands, as a, he stands now as a law. Like and nobody talks about it, you know. There's hundreds of fire, and everybody just comply. It's really hard, you know. So, <laughs> Pat, as a as a CEO, yeah. Because right now we're having conversation with a certified badass fighter, UFC yeah. heavyweight champion. Boom, there he is. But you're CEO. You run a company with how many thousands of general uh, independent contractors? Sure. Just like he's an independent yeah. contractor, he's an employee of UFC. Put yourself in Dana White's shoes as the CEO, as the yeah. person that's bringing the brand together. Yeah. And now you're Dana White and you're, you're sitting here talking with the Francis Naganos of the world, the Conor McGregor's of the world, the John Joneses of the world. How do you process what Dana is going through as a CEO saying, sorry, Francis, here's what we're willing to do. Here's what we're not willing to do through the mind of a CEO. Well, first of all, UFC is not UFC without Dana White, period. Whether people like this guy or not, it doesn't matter. I have so much respect for the guy. He has Fact. got a very hard job, yep. hands down. True. So to me, mm -hmm. whatever they're paying Dana, they're not paying him enough, period. That's, a, that's not a $20 million a year guy. He's worth three fifty, four hundred, whatever the payout was when WME bought him at $3.5 billion. I think he was a 10% guy. Maybe it diluted a little bit. He got $300 million. Dana's a $50 million a year guy. He needs to make that money, period. That's that guy, okay? Maybe I would even vouch for him being a $100 million guy. Some people may disagree. That's that. So let's set Dana aside. Mm -hmm. Let's set Dana's value aside. You don't find people like Dana. Dana's a once-in-a-lifetime you know, generation type of a promoter and a guy like a commissioner. So you put David Stern there. You put even Godel that's not like, but he is mm -hmm. getting the money for the right guys there. There's only few people like him there, right? Okay. So now let's set that part aside. The next part is, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you got 48% as the EBITDA, give or take, their margins are 35 to 50%. You got the margins to be able to afford to... If they get what? The margin the of what? Margins the EBITDA. Are EBITDA. Their EBITDA. Their EBITDA margins are very high. They make very prof. They make a lot of profit. Who? Very profitable. UFC. You say how much? 48% is the number we saw when we looked at our reports. 48%? 48%. Explain EBITDA real quick. Just yeah, if you if you have to look at the margins, it's 35 to 48%. We can look, It's public information. No, 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 no. You're saying no, it's no. higher? You mean what the UFC is make of the, or the fighter? No, 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 not fighter. What UFC makes. Oh. Yeah, what UFC, not what you make. So, for example, your fight uh, with Ghani, uh, what uh, did you make? You made a half a million? The margin, um, pay the statistic that's going on now, like they make between 80 to 85%. They EBITDA? made 80 to 85. Yes, they made between I, 80 I, to But what I'm, the number I looked at is I looked at their, their financials where it shows 48%. Is, so let's just say you do a dollar, they're making, they're keeping 48 cents. That's the margins. No. 
but not on the fights. This is after employees, staff, home office, compliance, lawyers, legal, all of that. Maybe not on the events they put, but I mean the whole organization on the amount of money. they. You can see their balance where, statement, where, too. Where, where do you find it? It's public information. It's not hard to find. It's a formula. Yeah. Earnings before... No. Yeah. Uh, uh, what a depreciation int- uh, interest uh, mm. and amortization EBITDA taxes taxes yes. so, yeah but but the point is they have room to pay more they have room to pay more so let me ask you the the strategy you see because even for somebody like you you may say well I want to follow this guy's playbook to get paid what I believe I'm worth who do you think has used the best strategy in UFC to make the most money outside of Connor? Uh, it's really hard to f- use a strategy in the UFC. Uh, I think the way that the business is set is set up, like they pay they pay you whatever they want to pay you. They let you pretend that you're negotiating while you're not negotiating, because either way, you're still in the contract. Like you will have a uh, let's say forty months. 40 months contract by the by 20 months they will come to negotiate a little bit more money if you say yes yeah then they are giving you a new 40 months which means they start over because of that because of the money that they added but because uh, by that time your value is like maybe two or three times what they are offering Mm -hmm. you know but I mean you're kind of like broke, you're struggling, and then uh, you're seeing your next fight, okay, 50,000, uh, you have to pay this and pay that and get away with maybe 20,000, and you have to p- uh, pay your loan and all the stuff, and they have a new contract, 100,000. It's really hard to turn that down when you're in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you know that that's not your value, but it's a you're cornered. You're money. cornered almost. You're cornered. So then, let me let me ask this this other question. Then, then, and I think every I, and I think everybody uh, in the USA being in that position, that's they always have a step ahead. So it's what if you go on strike? I mean, you just no, you don't you don't want to do that because that's not the right strategy. Okay, uh, you can go on strike. You can, if you want to say that, go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say you had the MLB strike, the NFL strike. Yeah. It's not the best way, but if you're backed into a corner, what other options no, do you have? I don't think that's the strategy. What do you mean go on strike? Like he's saying, you fifty of you guys say, "I'm not fighting until you pay me better." That's what he's saying. Going on a strike, protest. Yeah, protest. The top guys in the UFC say, "We're not going to fight. We're not going to do any events. We're not going to do anything okay. until you meet what we what we're asking for." Okay, so this is the thing, because you were struggling, you were expecting your fight for the fifty thousand yeah, dollar, do which that. is which is what a lot of people uh, in the UFC they do, and even for less than that, and they have uh, even borrow money for. Uh, finance their training camp yeah. or whatever so they are expecting that money to pay back and if you tell this guy to go on strike why he has a fifty thousand dollar coming up who can like save him from the guillotine like release his neck a little bit come on twelve thousand dollars is a lot of money you're about to, to piss off francis bro you're about I to mean, get knocked out no, over no, here no, trying to go on no strike. it's not it's not me i'm just yeah. trying to explain you how he works so yeah. Therefore, nobody really, a lot of people will not go on strike. Not because the USA has the power to cut you. I'm going on strike. Oh, really? You're doing that? You're it's out. It's not the right move. 
No, you're doing that, yeah. you're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you don't even have that 50,000 anymore. What next? So a lot of fighters, they don't want to compromise that because that's only what they get. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have a saving. They live day by day, fight, pay fight. And that's why, like, when they don't fight, they go, they go dry. Yeah, so for me, what I think about is how you can add. So the game plan, what Connor did, Connor has a drink, proper 12. They sell for $600 million. I don't know what percentage he owned a third of it. He got a couple hundred million dollars, and he was able to get a fight to be sponsored by proper 12. So his drink's out there. He always sits there. So there mean, that means there is some way to leverage your brand. So maybe a Francis Ngannou may not be a you know, get sponsorships from Nike or Adidas, but maybe your camp is going to come out with a product that you're going to say, hey, let me build equity around my product and let me leverage UFC to increase the value of this product that I have and maybe I'll have an exit of $50 million or $100 million or $300 million. Maybe, and that's what, um, I'm sure that's what uh, everybody, almost everybody in the UFC is doing because you, everybody, uh, at that point you understand that you need another source of income but uh, not everybody has a chance to be in that position and to get things work that it's way. True. You're right. You know, uh, I might be under, I might be um, underestimate the sponsorship that I'm having today. Not underestimate, but believe that I could have better. But there's a lot of people that are just dreaming to have what I'm having as far as sponsorship because they don't even have that. You know, so they have even less power not even to negotiate, even just to talk about it. Francis, are you getting more money from sponsorships than fights right now? Yeah. Okay. Is it, is it four, <laughs> five, ten times more? Uh-huh. Is it ten times more? Um, not yet? Not yet. Okay. Got it. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, can, can I hire, like, let's just say if I'm a company, can I hire you to do a commercial on TV? Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. So then there is so so then it means then that means that there's an opportunity to have better managers to manage talent to get things on TV. For example, what what David what's uh, Michael Jordan's agent's name? David something. David went to Nike when Nike was only given twenty five thousand dollars to players every year. He went to Nike and he said, "Listen, I know this is not the model, and I know this is not what you need to do." You need to pay one player $500,000. His name is Michael Jordan. So you, uh, allow me to interrupt. Please. You are going to like picking like the top, which is a few, which is an exception. How many people like Michael Jordan, even in the NBA, which is a very lucrative sport and very popular? But, but, that, but that became a business no, no. model, Francis. No. That's what I'm saying. How many yeah. people, even to today, how many people? That make his kind of money? Yeah. Nobody. 200. No, wait a minute. No, no. In NBA today, yes, two hundred, a hundred. So no, I mean out of, uh, out of uh, NBA. Currently in the NBA, I can tell you in the NBA, there's probably fifty. They have three hundred fifty players. Thirty times twelve is what three sixty. So they got three hundred sixteen on the team. Eighteen. I say 15, 15 yeah. times thirty-two is what. So let's just say four fifty, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Out of four fifty, Francis, a hundred of them, fifty to hundred of them make very good money outside of the NBA. In the in outside of outside the of the NBA, oh, make very good money. Oh yeah, I don't agree with you. Okay, few made a lot of money outside of the NBA, but no two hundred and fifty, no no even hundred. 
I think fifty two hundred. Okay, so maybe let's just say it's fifty that these guys get. And then you have to you have to um, remember, NBA is like one of the most uh, popular sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not the same thing yet uh, with combat sport. Uh, fighters, they are literally like on their own. They have to do everything, fight on their own, like. A team sport like NBA, when you go there, when they uh, hire you for a team, what you have to do is show up, go train. You don't even need to find a house. You don't need to find anything. That's true. They get yeah. everything set. They get yeah. the training yeah. set for you. You, as a fighter, you have to set everything up. You are on your own. Because, like, yes, you might have a manager, but what you're having, the, the uh, commission is not enough to require somebody full-time or that amount of yeah. job. So it's way tough to a fighter. There mm-hmm. is a fighter who who train for who still train for like three months mm-hmm. of training camp. Yeah. Go out there, fight for ten and ten or twelve and twelve. In case you win, you get like twenty thousand or twenty four or I don't know, uh twenty six. But if you lose, you're going mm-hmm. out there with ten thousand or twelve thousand then you have to cut commission and tax. You find yourself out with the average is like forty-five percent. Forty-five percent of ten thousand or twelve thousand is how much? Nothing. Yeah. For like three months of training yeah. income That's and you input well, in your body. With, with so that being said, and it, I ahead. just want to ask you. But, but I know me, Pat has some. Let some me ask you one thing too. Yeah. But in 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 the compensation structure of individual sports, that's pretty common. Boxers don't make a lot of money. Many golfers don't make a lot of money. Many oh. tennis players don't make a lot of money. Oh. So when you're in the top 1%, but the difference is I do agree that the top 1% of tennis and the top 1% of golf and the top 1% of golfing makes m- way more money than the top 1% of UFC. That I agree with. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know what I'm if, saying? if in the UFC, the top, if the top is 1%, then uh, in the UFC, the top is... Maybe zero point something. I had one quick question. Yeah. You're 34, about to be 35? I'm 35. You're 35 already. Yeah. Okay. My question is regarding your level of urgency. You're 35. Um, I think some of the best athletes in the world, are uh, their, their lifespans are being extended. Like we talk about like LeBron is 37, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got a couple of years left. Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP, 38 in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Brady, I think, is going to be 45 by the time the season starts. I think you still have like people in the individual sports like Serena and Roger Federer that are 40. You're 35. Yeah. What's your level of urgency to get your money now, create your legacy now? Because how much more time do you have left to fight? Um, I don't see it, see it like an urgency. You know... Um, I think everything uh, comes with time. Everything comes with, with time. Um, you just have to like do things right. You know, um, I started the sport very late. I didn't have a chance or a p- opportunity to practice sport uh, earlier in my life. But uh, from what I started, I think I'm doing pretty good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've been practicing sport for only nine years, and uh, I'm a world champion. And a lot of people have been practicing for long, long time, and uh, they are not or not yet a champion. You know, so I don't think there is a sense of 
agency. Have you? I do agree that uh, I don't have. I'm not very young for the sport, but the fact that I started late uh, makes me like being to be very to be fresh, you know, mm-hmm. as an athlete. Even though I'm forty, uh, I'm thirty. 35 i think uh, a lot of people that are 30 are more broken than i i am <laughs> you still got a lot of tread on your tires is what you're saying yeah very that's cool. what i'm saying francis let's let's transition to a couple other things john jones you said this on uh you said uh, john jones finds a better battle on twitter than in the ufc of course a lot of people would love to see the two of you guys fight now Weight-wise, I think he wants to go heavyweight. I think he's 6'4", 204. I think you're 6'4", 262. Oh, John John is not 204. He's, he's, he's what? I mean, he always been 204 or 205 when he caught weight to go to, uh, to, go to light heavyweight. But so you, his everyday weight is not 204. What do you think it is? 220? Huh? Oh, way more. Okay. Basically, like now that he's gaining weight... John just now might be at least 250, 260. Okay. 250. So, yeah, because I oh, just yeah, looked yeah, at yeah, an yeah. article here. ESPN oh. says 240. Yeah. So yeah. you guys, you're saying you're similar weight class. He wants to come up. John yeah. wants to come he up. Just cut, he just cut weight to go to light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. What What are the chances of him him fighting you? Because some would consider him the GOAT because he's I think he's 27 and 1. I think you're 17 and 3. Yeah. Different style of fighting. What would happen if you and John Jones fought? Uh... I mean, without without Kamaru, Usman Kamaru on the way, I would consider John John as a good. Me too. You put Usman above him. Mm, yeah, Usman over John Jones. Are you saying that because you like Usman more than John Jones, or are you saying no, that? Cause no, no, I'm. Obviously, yes. That's not yeah. questionable. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Usman is my brother. Sure, that's you know. why I ask. But this agreeable. But yeah, I do agree that John Jones could be the greatest, the good. Or not, you know. But um, I think fighting with him, uh, and I always think that, it's going to be a great, great fight for me, a great test, great challenge, you know, because he's like um, so by far the um, best, um, how they say, um, versatile mo- all around. Yeah. yeah. Complete fighter. Complete fighter. Yeah. yeah. Skilled. And skilled and a complete fighter, you know, you, you just have to see how he dominated on the light heavyweight in the... Mm-hmm past decade you know but don't you think you're much bigger and stronger than him and you could probably take even though he's great and amazing be, be, but be, it's a different biggest, weight class and trunk strongest is not enough hmm. it's not enough really oh yeah it's not enough you have to bring something more come than up that. with something yeah. way more than that to win the fight you are fighting with a professional who has a lot of experience he has seen it all so Come but, on. but you're confident if you face him, you, you, you'd beat him. Yeah, I'm confident, but he's still like, he's still a challenge. It's a very tough challenge. You know, I know his skill set and I know how dangerous he is, you know. So, yeah. Maybe the different you, question would be the following. Are you more confident going against him 
in a UFC match, heavyweight, your weight, or are you more confident going against Tyson Fury in boxing? Uh, I would say more confident going against John Jones because he's, yes, he's a, a fear that I uh, master pretty good than boxing, which is something that professional boxing, to be honest, is something that I will be a very a newborn in that in that field, but in MMA, as far as today, I think I'm a master that pretty good. So, so more confident going against John Jones than going against Tyson, Tyson Fury. What and about I, Wilder? Deontay Wilder, the guy that keeps fighting Tyson Fury. Yeah. Do you have any strong feelings about fighting him? Yeah, he's a. Obviously, that's a very interesting fight because he's known for like a one punch, you mm -hmm. know. And I think uh, that might be the opportunity to find out who hit the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Rogan, here's what Joe Rogan said. Here's what Joe Rogan said. If this, if he was to fight uh, Tyson Fury, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Joe Rogan said he would murder Tyson Fury. Joe Rogan, Rogan said this about Joe Francis. Joe Rogan said he would murder Tyson Fury. He backs Francis Ngannou to inca incapacitate Tyson Fury in the UFC, of course, but not boxing. Oh, yeah. He's someone in the UFC. The it UFC, wouldn't even yeah. be fair. In boxing, it's a different story if you went against him. Uh, uh, and then you said here, uh, uh, April 3rd, just a few days ago, you said, I don't really care about what it would be. I just want, I just think it would be a fight. You said, I don't care if we fight uh, anywhere. It could be in a phone booth or in the rooftop. That fight will happen. So you really want to fight Tyson Fury? Yeah, we've been going back and forth for over two years now. And uh, it's not a secret that my dream is always to have a challenge in boxing. The <laughs> my dream has always been boxing, even be before I discovered MMA. You know, so at some point... I want to experience that, to see where I am at. In boxing? Yeah, yeah I, I think the whole world would boxing. like to see that. Yeah. By the I way, really want which to. one do you want more? Which one do you want more? Are you like, you know, because there's like certain fights you want or certain desires we have. Would you rather have a fight against John Jones or would you rather have a fight against Tyson Fury? I could have both. <laughs> which <laughs> You're one not is willing more? to pick one. Why, why should I pick? Why I could have both. Oh, so you want so so you're greedy. You want both of them. You don't just want one. I can both. have both. Okay, and even more. <laughs> it's not like I'm not retiring. No, you I'm still here. Got, yeah, you're 35. I'm gonna fight a few, a lot, a lot of fight again. You know. So yeah, I can have both, and even someone that we are not even expecting right now uh, by next year might be the biggest fight or the biggest challenge or the biggest opening. This just that just how the sport is, you know. I don't have to choose to, again two fight where I still have like what minimum of ten fights in my career, if it's not twenty. Mm? So John and Tyson Fury have them both. Yeah, he wants both. I can have both and, and step over it. Go maybe go find uh, Deontay Wilder again. Oh, then that and there will be another contender somewhere, maybe in MMA, some that I will go find them 
you know. And by the way, even with the current contract, can you do both? Like even with the current UFC contract, like you know how Jake Paul comes out and he says, why don't you come, no, we'll no. pay you better. Can you fight boxing and UFC today? No, in the current contract, unless the UFC says so. Unless if the UFC says so. Yeah. So Dana has to give the green light. In the current contract. Wow. You, so. you bring up Jake Paul yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Do you think everything he's doing is actually pissing off Dana White? Because he calls him out. He did a whole music video about Dana White. Do you, do you think Jake, what are your thoughts on Jake Paul and what he's doing ruffling those feathers being a troll? Do we what? Ruffling Dana White's feathers and basically rattling the cage of Dana White. What are your thoughts on what Jake Paul is doing? Well, I think he's definitely pissing, pissing Dana off. I would have been pissed off too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way that uh, he he does it, yeah, I would have been pissed off. But I wouldn't do, do it that way um, in the same fast fashion that he's doing it. But I find a lot of like truth in what he says. So a lot of truth, yeah, in what Jake Paul is saying. Yeah, because he's kind of defending UFC fighters. Yeah, huh? I mean, that's uh, that makes sense, right? And I think is a is something that um, we should think more about it. At this point of life. Are you saying that secretly and maybe even not so secretly, a lot of UFC fighters are actually kind of agreeing with Jake Paul and what he's saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, a really? lot. A lot. So many will not agree on the method that he's doing it, you yeah. know, uh, the way that he's doing it. But uh, the idea, yes. Interesting. Have you watched Jake fight or Logan fight? Have you watched both of yeah, them fight? Yeah. I, last year, I was even here when Logan fought uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather. What, yeah. what What did you think about both oh, Jake and just, Logan fighting? No, I was just thinking about the money that he's cashing out. <laughs> I was like, damn, what, so, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. So, so, so you fighting, <laughs> if, you, if you got an offer to fight Joe, uh, uh, Jake or Logan, you'd be open to it if the UFC allowed and the money was there. I don't think is the weight class that could be... What happens if you had to fight both of them at the same time? <laughs> yeah. so funny. You'd have to both make, That make more sense, both at the same about? time. Let's yeah. set it up. <laughs> yeah, That's I can fight both of them at the same time. Let's <laughs> set it up. January of 2023, Francis Ngannou <laughs> versus Jake and Logan Paul, same time. Knock them both out. No, hey. Tyson Fury first. <laughs> hey, I want it all. You, uh, we have three minutes left. Do you want to take a phone call? I think it's a pretty good question. Well, is it? Let's put them on. Yes, go for it. We have Gil on the line. Gil, can you hear us? Yes, crystal clear. Fantastic. What's on your mind? All righty. So I had a quick question. I love Francis. He has an incredibly inspirational life story. Thank you, Gil. Um, I wanted to know, uh, has anyone ever approached you about making a movie about your life or or buying the rights to your life story? And uh, and part two is, if so, uh, who would... Who would you want to play you? That's a good question. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. I think I have that question already. Uh, but yes, um, many one have. Um, I have have a lot of uh, a few interests of like uh, doing a movie with my life or buying the right of uh, my story. Even though, as far as movie, I think it's not time yet. You know. Um, 
my team and I, we think like movie should could wait. We can right now we are working on book and documentary, and the movie yeah. can wait because like movie is kind of like oh I have made it, which is not where I am yet. You know, I think there is uh, I agree a lot of range for me to go. But if th- that was the case, um, who would I li- who would I like to play me? Maybe Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Okay. What yeah. about Will Smith? Like I was about to say, you lost one yeah. character. Yeah, Idris uh, would be. Uh, Idris would be. Will Smith Will in Smith, these days? No. Will Smith. Um, I can no, see. Idris I never. Fully. I never. Honestly, I never thought about Will Smith, but um, he might not be able to knock people out these days. But he'll slap a motherfucker. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. What else we got, John? No, I get Idris Erba. Okay. Idris. He's my first pick, no, at least. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. I fully see that, by the way. I fully, yeah. fully see that. Uh, because I have, I have thought about it a lot. Oh, it's going to so happen. So I hope this answers your question, Will. That's, yeah. Yes. Thank well, you. appreciate the caller calling in. Uh, uh, Francis, appreciate you for coming out. Really enjoyed it, man. What a story you got. And we're looking forward to watching you fight, hopefully, by the end of the year. Because you kind of did say, I can fight end of 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did okay. say that December right. will be good. And, and he it. wants all the smoke. He wants he wants Tyson Fury. He wants Deontay Wilder. He wants John Jones. And throwing a couple of the Paul brothers while we're at it. I have a lot of year ahead of me. So. And I have a couple of fights that I don't even know what, uh, who they're going to be. So, yes, while we're here, if I can pick. May as well do it. May as well do it. May as well do it. Anyways, gang, hope you enjoyed it as much as we the friends. Appreciate you for coming out, man. This was fantastic. Yes. This was fantastic. Okay, what do we have? You're saying we got uh tomorrow. Tomorrow we tomorrow we got Andrew Yang and Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin in the morning, morning. Andrew Yang in the afternoon. Same time, not same time. One will be in the morning, one will be in the afternoon. Uh have a great one, everybody. And I have a feeling. Are you going to the Bitcoin conference? You're going to be at the Bitcoin that's, conference? That's, that's why, why I'm here. Yeah, I know. You're, Bitcoin at the, conference. you're speaking at the Bitcoin conference, right? There's some yeah. event you're doing, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. So some mm-hmm. of you guys may see the champ at the Bitcoin conference. Take care, everybody. We'll I'm see you guys tomorrow. for the champ. Yeah, that's... <laughs>